The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Infertility Podcast. Social media is a powerful tool and it has allowed me to meet some amazing people through this podcast, including our special guest on this episode, Natasha. Welcome, Natasha. Thank you for joining. Hi, Danielle. (laughs) So before we get started, Natasha, can you give us just a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, any personal or professional highlights that you would uh, want the listeners to know before we delve into the questions? Sure. Well, um, my name is Natasha. Everyone calls me Tasha for short. Okay. Um, I'm 37. I live in South Florida. Um, I've been living in South Florida for about for about 20 years. Um, I'm originally from the Bronx in New York, and uh, we, my family and I moved to Orlando when I was about 13, and I moved to South Florida to go to college. Uh, met my husband here, um, and ended up just liking South Florida, and I've been here ever since. Awesome. I am um, a dog lover. I have two dogs. Okay. Ralphie and Dee Dee. Um, they are the loudest dogs ever. They're two little Yorkies, but they're like, they think they're pickles. Yes, that's usually <laughs> how it is with dogs. Yes. Oh, that's cool. um, I've had them for, oh my gosh, about nine, ten years. Um, and I work, um, actually, I work full-time at a law firm. Um, I'm a legal assistant, and I've been there about... Um, about nine going on 10 years and um recently i've kind of just developed a love for just for writing mm. you know to be really therapeutic and you know at the beginning of the year when i was working from home and COVID and everything it just kind of just i just started writing and it just became therapeutic to me so i've been just kind of writing a lot and uh writing a few articles and things like that so that's pretty much it Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for the introduction. Um, So let's get into the questions. And I asked this question um, pretty much in almost every episode, especially this month. Um, And that is, why do you feel infertility is such a taboo subject? Um, And also, um, because we're going to kind of go into um, what you're kind of promoting and and doing, um, why do you feel it's so important to shed light on this journey? So why do you feel it's a taboo subject and why do you think it's important to shed light? Um, I feel like it's a taboo subject. You know, um, being a mom in itself is hard and I have a lot of friends that are mothers and, you know, they tell me about their, their struggles and, you know, they tell me about the good things and it's, it's a fulfilling experience, but it is hard. And I feel like, um, being a mother is hard, but also becoming one is hard. Mm-hmm. And like no one ever talks about that. And I feel like society puts so much pressure on us as women to, to start a family. You know, I feel like society puts so much pressure on us just as women, like, you know, find the perfect spouse. Then mm-hmm. it's when are you going to get married? Then it's when are you going to have kids? And when it doesn't happen for you, you feel, you know, you feel embarrassed. There's a lot of shame and guilt behind of it. Yeah. You know, like talking about it because it's such an uncomfortable subject to 
which is the reason why I feel like it's so taboo because I know for me, when I went through my miscarriages, I was, there was a part of me that felt guilt. I blamed myself. Yeah. Um, I did feel ashamed. Um, I was uncomfortable to talk about it for a very long time. And I feel like so many of us are suffering in silence. Yes. Why I feel like there needs to be more light just shed on the topic because so many of us suffer in silence and you just never know what someone else is going through. Yes, definitely, definitely. Like it's it's good to to talk about it because at the beginning for me, I I couldn't talk about it. It was very hard for me, but I feel like in me being able to vocalize and talk about it now, it's helping me to heal. Yes, definitely, definitely. I appreciate your um answer and your input. So um. You know, you talked about the fact that you're married, um, mm-hmm. and I think as women, we what I found is that we fall into the category of being planners and have yes. you know, life plans and yes. things that we want to achieve, and we mm-hmm. set deadlines and ages to mm-hmm. really want to achieve those things. So, did you have a plan as as far as what you wanted to see fertility wise? Did you want to be married at a certain age, oh, married totally. at five, and totally. and having children at twenty seven and that sort of thing? Oh, Oh yeah. What was your plan? (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a planner. Like it's, I'm still a planner and I'm such a type A, like even my husband's like, just, just go with the flow sometimes. It's not planning, you know, (laughs) I just can't help it. I'm, I've just always been that way. Like even like when I was in high school, I literally, I always said, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be married. I'm going to have two kids. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a girl first. And within like two years, I'm going to have a boy because I'm going to be close in age. I always like had just names picked out. I'm just, I just had it all planned out. And I just realized with my fertility journey, it's out of my control. Yeah. Out of my control. And that's what's so hard for me. Like I still yeah. struggle with it because I can't, I can't plan to get pregnant next month. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I just have to just leave it in God's hands. I can't control it anymore. And that, that I think, was one of the toughest things, too, because I always, you know, I was the type that I had ovulation tests, pregnancy tests, just lined up at home. Yes. Back around my phone, I was like, you know, and I was just trying to just plan everything out, like, I'm going to plan to get pregnant this month. I'm definitely going to get pregnant this month. And then when it doesn't happen, it just, it's like an emotional roller coaster every, yes. every month. So definitely, I've, I'm definitely a planner. Certain things I've learned to let go of, but it's really hard when you're a planner to let go of things. Yes, definitely. And, and, and I talk about the fact that we're kind of control freaks, you know? Yes, um, I'm control freak. Oh, I'm totally. It's hard to relinquish the control, you know, Um, but like you said, like this journey, it's really out of our hands, you know, Mm -hmm. we can make plans, we can do the right thing, we can, like you said, talk, you know, have ovulation kits and have all these things, Um, but it's really, if you think about the percentage, um, 
that a woman can get pregnant per month is like 30%. I might be wrong, but it's really a small percentage. It's a small window. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's truly a miracle, um, but it's it's uh, amazing how we as women, you know, we have our plan, um, and it's hard once you get into, you know, passing those ages and those milestones that you yeah. have in mind, um, and it's not happening. So mm-hmm. you're married. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your love story, um, how you you and your husband met? Um, was there a difference in the planning? You know, did he have a plan in mind? Or, you know, I found some men, they're just like, hey, I'm just going with the flow. And, <laughs> um, so what was your love story? And then when you all, you know, got together, did you guys have like a, a plan in mind of what you wanted to see fertility-wise? Um, funny story. We met in college. Um, I was 17 and he was 19. So... I was um I was in school um I was doing some like last minute paperwork in the office and I walked out and I saw my husband okay he's an identical twin so he was actually with his twin brother at the time so they were walking past me and I was like oh that's kind of cute <laughs> <laughs> so I was like checking out my husband little did I know he was gonna be my husband I was checking him out. So I just made a mental note, and I was like, okay, well, these kids, I'm not going to approach him, whatever. So I was walking to my car, and um, his twin brother, he was driving, and he literally stopped in front of me and was like, my brother wants to come talk to you. Wow. (laughs) Like, literally, like a co-walk, couldn't go anywhere. So they just parked right in front of me, couldn't move. So he came out the car, he asked my number, and I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm not going to give it to you now, but maybe next time. Wow. Twenty years and married for ten. Wow. Yeah. And that is amazing. Yeah. So people look at us and they're like, "What? You guys are together twenty years?" I'm like, "Yeah, we were babies. Like, we literally grew up together." Wow. That's amazing. And it's so funny that um, like you asked, like, what was our plan fertility-wise? It's it's weird because you know most couples when they get together they kind of ask that question like, do you want a family? Do you want kids? If you do, how many do you want? We kind of never had that conversation. It was more like, when we have kids, we're gonna do this. Okay. Or a matter of if we have kids or do you want kids or how do you feel about starting a family? We always talked about it in the present tense. Like, when we have kids, we're going to do this. If, if it's a girl, we're going to do this. this. If it's a boy, we're going to do this. So we always, it was kind of like an unspoken thing that we always knew that we wanted to start a family because we always talked about it. Awesome. Yeah. I love that, you know, because the communication is is key and it's needed. And then I love the fact that you you all spoke in the present tense, you know, and like living in the present and making plans, you know. Yeah, it's 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 funny because when I look back at it, I was like, you know what, we never we never had that conversation. Like, do you really do you want kids? I don't (laughs) like we just never talked about it. And then 
when we would talk about kids, it was it's always, you know, when we have kids, da 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 Yeah. You know, always like, we always knew we were going to have kids, so it wasn't a matter of, do we want any? We just always knew we did. Got it. Got yeah. it. So you all, you know, are having these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the desire is there. Where did your infertility journey uh, take you thus far? Thus far, um, it's been a long road, if I'm completely transparent. It's been a long road. It's been hard. Um, it's been about, when I look back, it's been about 10 years. Wow. Probably as long as we've been married, we've been on this journey together. Um, the first time I got pregnant, it was about it was about a year or two after we got married. We weren't really like, we weren't planning it. We were just like, you know what? If it happens, it happens. So we just kind of went with the flow. And, and I got pregnant like a year or two after we got married. And that pregnancy and the miscarriage had happened so fast. Like, I literally found out I was pregnant one week, and then I miscarried the next week. Mm. I really didn't have time to even enjoy it, per se. Yeah. And you know, like when I miscarried, I was at home, so it, it happened all at home. And you know, the day, the Monday after, I went to the doctor, did an ultrasound, and they said everything's gone. Yeah, everything's gone. You know, so I think when I look back, I, I don't think that I, I don't think that I processed it. Yeah, I took I took a couple of days off from work, and then I just I just went back to work like. Just life as usual, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would have my moments where I would, you know, I would just be by myself and think about it and break down and cry. But I, for that pregnancy, I just don't think that I processed it. Right? I didn't process it. And then immediately after that, after we lost our first baby, I kind of felt like, okay, now I really, really want to have a baby. Yes. So, you know, I was constantly like, I was just a drill sergeant. I was planning everything. I had ovulation kits. I had the pregnancy test just boxed up in my drawers at home. I had the tracker on my phone, checking on ovulating. It was just because I was just trying to plan it so much. And I just, just wanted to have a baby so bad. And I feel like I became the drill sergeant because I was just on it, on it, on it, on it, on it, to the point where, like, it, it stressed me out. It was, yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot, and I just became obs- like oh, not obsessed, but that's all I. W- I just wanted to have a baby so bad. Mm-hmm. It was like that for about for about five years. I just drove myself crazy with trying to get pregnant, and you know, every month felt like a disappointment. So you know, I would track to see when, it, when it's that time of the month, and if I was a couple of days late, I'll get excited. And you know, go take a test, and then it's like, yeah. And then, then that emotional roller coaster again. Then the same thing would happen the next month, and I'm like, all right, let me go take a test, you know. And it would be negative again. It was just month after month, and it just got to a point where I was just so it was overwhelming for me, and it was frustrating. And I'll never forget. Um, at one point, I. I was. I just woke up in the morning. This is right before I got pregnant the second time. And this is five years later now. I woke up one morning and I just prayed, and I was just like, God, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. 
I was just like, I'm literally driving myself crazy. And I said, maybe it's just not meant for me to have kids, you know? I said, if it's in your will, then okay, but if it's not, okay. I said, because I'm just driving myself crazy and I can't do this anymore. And at that point, I had honestly just given up. And I said, you know what, God, I'm going to live my life. And if I get pregnant, I get pregnant, but I just can't worry about this anymore. And I had internally just given up. And I don't even think that I had told my husband at that point that I had given up. Because I was just so, I was just so over it. And then, you know, people that don't know you, or that know, or maybe that do know you, they're like, so you guys are trying. You know, you're still constantly getting questions. So that's yes. Not for me to deal with too. So at that point, I had just, I just gave up. I said that prayer, and I just said, all right, just, just let it go. And I'll never forget a week after that, I got pregnant. Wow. A week after that, I got pregnant, and the second pregnancy, actually, I got pregnant with twins. Wow. I got pregnant with twins, and it was so like it was just so unexpected. Um, how it happened. And your husband is a twin. <laughs> yes, he's an identical twin at that. Yes. So, so that was totally unexpected. So my first sonogram appointment was when we found out it was twins. And it was so funny. We were at the doctor's office and, you know, my nerves are, my, my anxiety is already high because of the first miscarriage. Yes. So trying to make sure I'm doing everything right. I'm not overexerting myself. So I was already antsy already. Just wanting to make sure that the baby was okay. And I'll never forget the doctor was like, I hear a heartbeat. And I was like, okay. So I relaxed. I'm like, oh, all right. He hears a heartbeat. Good. And then he's like, I hear another one. Wow. Another what? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, another heartbeat. So most people would have reacted differently. Me, I just busted out laughing because I was like, I was like, you cannot be out there. And he was like, oh, and I don't even remember my husband's reaction. I think he was just he was just a shock of my life. I was laughing and he was like seriously shocked. And at that point, only like two people were We're losing your sound a little bit. Okay, can you hear me better now? Yes, yes. Okay, so only a few people, like my parents, his parents, knew that we were pregnant. And by the time we left the doctor's office and got home, the entire family knew. Wow. Everybody knew. You're so excited. Yes, like everybody knew. And the way my family is set up, like as soon as one person knows. Everybody's going to know. Oh. Are you guys from the Caribbean? Yes. (laughs) yes, Same. Yes. Antiguan. (laughs) So, yes, so it was like, boop, 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 like, and I'm getting yeah. phone call, and I'm like, I, no one was supposed to even know I was pregnant. How do you guys even know? So it was like, by the time we got home, the entire family knew, and I was like, well, it is what it and, is. And did they know it was twins on top of that? Yes. I oh, mean, okay. like, it was just like the trickle-down effect. It was like, first they found out I was pregnant, and then it was twins, like, all one conversation. <laughs> my goodness like god like you guys can't hold water like yeah it's a caribbean thing i'm telling you oh my gosh i was like is it just my family but no no. sis it's everyone who's in the caribbean their family (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh my goodness so at this point everybody knows now so i'm like okay Tosh, just 
deal with the fact everybody knows. So just yeah. relax. So I was starting to get, I my nerves were a little bit more calm at that point. I'm like, okay, everybody knows. Just relax, mom. Nothing you can do. Everybody knows. And I was starting to, you know, get a little comfortable being pregnant. And then, then the three month mark hit, and that's when I miscarried. Wow. Now, were you feeling a lot of symptoms? You know, they say like oh, pregnancies yeah. are, you know. Oh, yeah. I know, totally, oh, my gosh. I had cravings. Let me tell you, I had the best naps when I was <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I, we have an hour lunch at work. So I literally would sit in my car for an hour and take a nap. Like, wow. That's how tired I was the first trimester. And I had these weird cravings. Um, I would eat. Ruffles potato chips, like a whole bag of Ruffles potato chips, and um, sausage egg muffins on the Okay. <laughs> don't, don't know why. And like every morning before work, I had to get a sausage egg muffin. Even if I was late, I was like, well, I'm going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I had like, those, those were my, those were my, those were my main things. Ruffles chips and sausage egg muffin at McDonald's. <laughs> those, those definitely those were those were the main things and it was funny because before i even found out i was pregnant i was eating the ruffle potato chips wow pregnant yet and i remember my husband was asking i think we were watching tv and he's like since when did you start eating ruffles potato chips and i was like well since when you watch it when i eat like, <laughs> <laughs> i gave him so much attitude but at the time we didn't know Yes, yes, the sassiness. So when I back, I was like, oh, that, that's it. was the hormones. It was the hormones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it totally was the hormones. But, um, but yeah, at the at the three-month mark, I um, unfortunately, I miscarried. Um, that, that miscarriage was, I would say, was very traumatic for me mm -hmm. because I was in the hospital. Mm. Basically, what they did was um they gave me the miscarriage yes and they sent me home so they said you know you're gonna have to go home and if nothing happens for you overnight then you're gonna have to have a dnc wow so i basically had to go home and just wait for it to happen yeah so that was that was traumatic in itself and then you know, I couldn't sleep that night, of course, because I was still I was still in pain too. So got up the next morning, nothing happened. So we had to go back to the doctor's office. So at this point, the doctor's like, "We're gonna have to have this." Wow. You no, know, so I had to mentally prepare myself for that, and I'd never had surgery before. Mm -hmm. So my first time having surgery is me losing my babies. So that was that was really rough for me. That was yeah. really rough. Um, it took me down a really, really dark road. Um, I, I shut down a lot. Um, I became very isolated. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to talk about it um, with anybody. Um, I fell into a depression. Um, I dealt with anxiety a lot. Um, I just had all these different emotions. Like I would just be angry, then I would be sad, then I would be frustrated, then angry again. It was just just a lot like right like maybe like a couple weeks after the um the dnc you know we're starting to get back into my routine and stuff and some friends had invited us to go bowling so i was like you know let's go you know get out the house let me just get my mind off of it and i'll never forget 
I um I was trying to find something to wear. Yeah. And nothing was fitting because I still had the belly. Yes. So so I had to still wear my maternity jeans. So when I put them on, my husband's like, Are you okay? What's wrong? And I was like, I, I just still have to wear my maternity clothes. Like yeah. you know, just things like that that would trigger me. And I just didn't realize how much I had I had just suppressed like a lot of my emotions because yeah. I just I didn't know how to handle it at the time, you know? And like even like after that, one day I was just driving to work and I think it was just one of those months where I thought, okay, well, maybe you could be. And I took another test and it was negative. And I still was dealing with that and just dealing with the after effects of that. And I just, I just went into a, just a deep depression. Like I, like I was on my way to work and just broke down on the road. Like I had to pull over and just, you know, just let it all out. I was luckily a friend actually just called me at the time I was driving and she was departed in my voice. And she was like, are you okay? And I tried to play it off, of course. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And she was like, you need to come over. And I just broke down. And at one point, she said, I think you need to talk to somebody. And at first, I was like, yeah, you don't need to talk to anybody. You know, I can handle this. You know, I'm supposed to be so strong. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to handle everything. And um, I finally, finally decided to go to therapy. Um, I've been going now for about, I'd say about two, three years. Okay. And it's really, it's really helped, um, because I didn't realize how, how much of a, it was like a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. You know, and I just felt like it was just, I felt like I was defined by my miscarriage. Someone looked at me, that was the first thing that they thought. Then she still doesn't have any kids, and she's not getting. She's getting older. She still don't have any kids yet. You know, I would just always, that would just always be in the back of my mind. Or like when we go to family functions and everybody's with their families or their kids, and we're not. Yeah. You know, so that was really hard for me. Um, it this I would say the second miscarriage really, it really, really took a toll on me. Like I just went to a really, really dark place. Um. But I'm glad that I that I am still going to therapy because it's helped me it's helped me in my healing journey and although I've had to, you know, relive some of the trauma in therapy and just have those uncomfortable conversations, uh-huh. it's it's what I needed and it's what helped me. And that miscarriage was in twenty fifteen. Okay. And um since then, you know, we've still been trying and I finally, finally got the courage this year to see a fertility doctor. Wow. Um, the fear of those five years held me back. Like I was just so, I was so afraid to just find out what's wrong or why aren't we getting pregnant. And I guess a part of me didn't want to know in case it was something bad. So I just, I couldn't, I could never just keep going to the doctor and just see what was wrong. And finally this year, um, we went. And just making that phone call was like, <sighs> yeah, you know, like, like a I, leap of faith. Yes, like yeah. I finally, like you know, like I finally did it. And we went and we did our testing, and um, me and my husband both did our testing. So right now we're at the point where 
the fertility doctor recommended that we do IVF. Mm -hmm. And IVF is expensive. Yes. It's, it's expensive. Seeing a fertility specialist is, expen is expensive. Oh, yeah, thank you. Okay. Yes. And it's it's like it's not covered under insurance. It's right. It's a hundred percent solely on you to to pay for. So that's that's a lot. It's just overwhelming all the information. Yeah. So, so right now we're at a point where okay, this is these are the cards that were dealt. This is what we have to do right now. You know, this is what the doctors recommending. So we're kind of at that point where we're just deciding how we're going to do it now. Yeah. How are we going to yeah. do it? Because it's not. It's not cheap. You have to pay for it all on your own. And it's also an emotional roller coaster. Yes. So it's a, a wave of emotions. You know, I have a friend that um she went through IVF as well and she's kinda she's kinda been like my support system through through this whole experience with going to, to the fertility doctor. You know, because she said you're gonna have your days where you just feel like yes, you can do it. And then you're going to have your days where you're just like, it's too much. Yes. Too yeah. Much. And, you know, just going to the doctor and, okay, him saying, okay, you're going to have to do IVF. This is what you have to do. And this is how much it's going to cost. Like, it was just very overwhelming. Yeah. And it was but, very overwhelming. But what I love about your journey and your story is you're dealing with, this journey in different aspects. You're dealing with yeah. it from an emotional perspective, a physical perspective, a, a spiritual perspective, mm -hmm. and that is amazing. Um, and the fact that, hey, you you reached a point where you're like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to take yeah. this leap of faith. Yeah. And that's what it is, you know? Um, like we said earlier, so, so much of this is out of your control, you it know? Totally is. It is. So it's just amazing um, to hear your story, to hear how, you know, you process because, um, you know, losing a child is difficult no matter you know the week that mm -hmm. you, you miscarry um yep. there's so much grief that comes with it mm -hmm. um and i was explaining this this is someone um earlier this week that you know you're already kind of making plans in your mind like oh my god i'm pregnant okay so am i gonna do a gender reveal am i gonna do a right. baby shower? am i gonna do this am i gonna when are we gonna tell so and so and so you have all these questions mm -hmm. that kind of rise up and it's it is you do get excited you know, mm -hmm. um, so I, I really appreciate you sharing um, your you. story and, and explaining kind of the journey that you've gone through um, to get to this point. And mm -hmm. I'm, I love when individuals um, take their pain and turn it into purpose. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what you've done. You have started this new Instagram page um, called Tasha's Tea. And mm -hmm. you are showcasing this journey. Can you tell us a little bit about what Tasha's Tea is all about. Sure. Um, Tasha's Tea, I, you know, God laid it on my heart years ago to do something like this, but I wasn't at a place where I was ready. Mm. And I started Tasha's Tea basically as a way to just show, just show women that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. um, there's support for you. Because when I went through my miscarriages, I did feel alone, you know? Yeah. People do talk to you and, you know, if you ever want to talk, let me know. But you still feel so isolated. You feel like you're the only one going through it. Yeah. 
And I just wanted women to know that they're not alone and just offer them some, you know, some words of encouragement because I know that it's hard. And it's funny because when I finally got to a point where I was able to share my story or, you know, tell people what happened, I would meet different women that um, were close to me and some that I didn't know that went through similar stories. Mm-hmm able to just connect your pain, you know? And that's the reason why I started Sessions Tea because I just wanted to just be that that voice for women. Like if you don't feel like you're at a point where you are ready to talk about it, then I'll be that I'll be that voice for you. Yes. I you love know? it. I love and, it. And you know I just I just wanted there to be just a support system for women because I never thought that I would get to a point where I would be okay to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just never know what someone else is dealing with. And if I can help them and, and help them to not feel how I felt, then that's what I want to do. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I think it's important, like you said, to give a voice to the voiceless mm-hmm. and shed light on this so people know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. So to close out, um, my final question is, what advice or words of encouragement would you give a woman that is going through this journey right now? Um, you know, like I said, I would definitely tell them they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, there is support here for you. Um, and there is no, there's no timeline on when you're supposed to heal. Yeah. I always, I always say, like, I'm never 100% healed. I feel like I'm continuing to heal every day mm-hmm. because it's a healing journey because I still have things that trigger me, mm-hmm. and I still have to learn how to deal with those triggers even five years later after my last miscarriage. Yeah. Um, and just, we're, you know, we're here for you, um, and there is no... There is no right or wrong way to feel. You're entitled to feel however you want to feel. Yes. You know? And I struggle with that a lot because I was like, should I be feeling like this? Or, you know, a year or two down the line and I'm still processing and trying to deal with my emotions. Mm-hmm. There is no timeline on when you heal. I feel like you're always going to be on a healing journey. Yeah, it's true. And like you said, you know, don't apologize for how you feel. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, the way you feel is valid. You it's know? valid. Yeah, right. definitely. So thank you so much, Natasha, for joining. How can we um, stay connected with you? Um, well, you can find me on Instagram at Tasha's T underscore. And if you need to reach me via email, um, my email is Tasha's T 1030 at gmail.com. And I want to thank you, Danielle, so much for giving me this opportunity. Uh, This is my first ever podcast. Yay! So thank you so much for the opportunity. I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. So thank you again for being part of this episode. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Stay tuned for the next episode. Ciao! I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister, or you can visit my website. 
which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.